Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello, welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, previewing all the big action ahead of a Game Day quadruple hit. It is live, it is exclusive, it is only on TalkSport. What a finish from Romelu Lukaku. Welcome home, Bella. Two goals on his return to Chelsea and Stamford Bridge. Ferran Torres with a glancing header in off the far post. And it's 5-0 to Manchester City. Who else was there but number seven, Cristiano Ronaldo, to put the ball in the back of the net. Smash, grab, wallop from Leon Bailey. He celebrates with his Aston Villa teammates. Oh, what a goal! Adelaide Decore to turn it around for Rafael Benitez and Everton. Booze at full time, Norwich at state bottom, still without a point. Alexander Arnold, lovely boy to Marley, right footed volley under the goalkeeper, and that should seal all three points. Pulls it back and Buemo, brilliant goal for Brentford. And it's only on Talk Sport. Alex and Darren are with me. Uh, Ten games to look ahead to in just a few moments, but shall we just touch on the overall response to the Carabao Cup in midweek? Uh, United had 71,000 supporters inside Old Trafford. I was there. It was a terrific atmosphere and a good spectacle as well, even though the teams very much changed. Uh, reasonably priced tickets. Um, Arsenal was an example that was given to me by Nigel Adderley, in which he suggested that he could take the family and it was affordable. You know, it wasn't just like you know an affordable ticket for an individual. It was affordable tickets where you could take the family. If you're going to get kids into football, you're going to encourage them to come along. And I think the atmosphere in stadiums, and I've been privileged enough to go to quite a few this season, has been pretty good anyway this, this this season. I think it's been almost as if it's like a treat again, which I think always feels great, makes the occasion, the, the, the spectacle feel much better. Um, accessibility and entertainment, I think, should be the tagline. And hopefully uh, that continues. Yes, yeah, much maligned the uh, the Carabao Cup, but I think it's an important competition for many of the reasons you've just mentioned. Um, I was at Brighton Swansea, which was a 7.30 kickoff. Now, it might not seem a lot but that 15 minutes difference in kickoff a it got me home by 11 o'clock which i'm all in favor of having been up early to record this podcast but b there are a lot of young faces in the crowd because clearly it's more palatable for mums and dads on a school night to take their kids to a game knowing they're going to get them in bed that little bit earlier i think a lot of uh, premier league teams used it to blood their youngsters brighton uh, a prime example of that some really exciting academy players on display and by and large, actually, most of the big guns are still in the competition. So I think we're still heading for a really exciting round of 16 quarters, semi and final. Obviously, Manchester United crashing out. That's a disappointment for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I'm going to resist my natural temptation to blame the manager. That was a good enough team against a West Ham side who made a, a plethora of changes themselves to get into the hat for the next round. Ultimately, it proves again fringe players like Anthony Martial 
aren't fit for purpose. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Darren Lewis, um, I think the accessibility thing is really important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We are in an era where football fans are being increasingly priced out of the game. And it's to their credit that they continue to remain committed at a time where all of us inside and outside football are are feeling the effects of what is a difficult period. So um, to have a competition where fans can feel that they can be part of it is really, really important for the football ecosystem. Yeah, I think it's really, really important that uh, fans aren't, what's that word I'm looking at? under... What am I looking for? What's the what's the word I'm looking for? The club uses mountains of data to find players they believe are undervalued and then sign the players who hey, you said it again. Uh, <laughs> undervalued. Undervalued. That's what I said. No. <laughs> you said undervalued. What? Undervalued. Undervalued. The club uses mountains un- of data to find players that they believe are undervalued. <laughs> yeah? Uh, no. Does he play for um, uh, FC Groningen? In oh, I can't believe that Sam has done the whole opener of this podcast just to shoehorn a gag like that. In. <laughs> Unbelievable. How do you say it? How do you say it? Undervalued. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Right. Let's get to the entertainment. This just in. It's a Saturday afternoon double header on Talk Sport this weekend. Ha! It is live. It is exclusive. It is only on TalkSport. What a finish from Romelu Lukaku. Welcome home, fella. Two goals on his return to Chelsea and Stamford Bridge. Grealish puts it on his right foot and puts it in the back of the net. There can be no doubt about that. We are underway on TalkSport 2. Great ball to Ronaldo! And Ronaldo has steered it over the line. That name Ronaldo, automatically now we have a real chance to challenge for the Premier League title. Smash, grab, wallop from Leon Bailey. He celebrates with his Aston Villa teammates. An absolutely wonderful goal. And it's only on Talk Sport. Saturday, 12.30. We've got two live games. TalkSport, TalkSport 2. You can flick between the two if you've got our app. On TalkSport, it's Chelsea against Manchester City. On TalkSport 2, it's Manchester United against Aston Villa. Now, Crook does live in the south, and I do live uh, 12 minutes from uh, Old Trafford on my pedal bike, which I used, actually, in midweek. But we're switching ends of the country, aren't we? You're coming up here to do Manchester United versus Aston Villa for TalkSport 2. I'm doing Chelsea versus Manchester City. Thomas Tuchel has had to make half-time changes in each of the last two Premier League games. Darren, it's important that he gets it right from the off this time around. It is, but he's got players who are building up to fitness all the time. Um, I know we're looking ahead, not back, but I looked at that lineup, that second string lineup, if you will, for the Carabao Cup, very strong indeed, Saul and uh, Angolo Canti in midfield. And it was a kind of measure of the weaponry that he's got at his disposal. I think he made 10 changes, maybe even 11, uh, and he was still able to put out a really, really strong side. And I'd be surprised if they don't get as far as the semifinals. But he's also, most importantly, being able to rest his big guns. And they're going to continue, I think, that run of conceding only one game in their last five Premier League matches. Um, City have concerns over John Stones, Emmerich Laporte, Oleg Zinchenko, Rodri, Gundogan. 
Um, they've scored a lot of goals, but they've spread them around. I think 11 Premier League goals so far, one own goal and nine different scorers. And it's a big week for them, Alex, isn't it? Because it starts with Chelsea. They then go to PSG. They then go to Liverpool. A huge week. Um, although I'm reading this morning that Lionel Messi possibly won't be fit for Paris and Germain in the Champions League. That will be, I think, a big boost for Manchester City. But it's going to be a week in which Pep possibly is going to have to shuffle his pack uh, as well. We know he's certainly no stranger to doing that. I think Pep Roulette might welcome to the fore over the next uh, seven or eight days. But I agree with Darren. I think on early season form, you have to make Chelsea the favourites. They look a well-oiled machine under Thomas Tuchel. Uh, don't concede too many goals. They've got a ruthless finisher in Romelu Lukaku. I know Manchester City filled their boots in the Carabao Cup in midweek, but they weren't great against Southampton. I've said it before on this podcast. I think that lack of a an out-and-out number nine is going to be a problem, particularly in these big head-to-heads against their Premier Premier League rivals. I think this is a big chance for Chelsea to really lay down a marker. What has happened to Raheem Sterling? Two goals in 22 for City. New contract issues. No standout performances in a while in light blue, Darren. Whilst you, you put him in an England shirt and he dazzles, he dominates, he hits the headlines. Yeah, because he's got the faith of and the confidence of Gareth Southgate in an England shirt. He doesn't, for some reason, uh, in a City shirt. And I don't think he's got anything to do with ability. I think Guardiola likes to be the master of all he surveys. He doesn't like players growing in confidence. And I say that advisedly because I'm, clearly he wants players to be confident. But Sterling, in the lead up to him starting to be dropped for City last season, was had given a round of interviews to certain publications where he, he spoke about the decision-making of Guardiola and the fact that he couldn't understand why he'd been dropped. And that seemed to annoy Guardiola. I don't think it's got anything to do with ability, as I say, because in the Euros, we saw on a number of occasions, Sterling starring for England and finding a way through countries that were setting up with a low block to frustrate. He was arguably our best player of the European Championship. So I'm going to get carried away with what's wrong with Sterling. I think it's really why doesn't Sterling have the confidence of Guardiola when he's such an outstanding player and could be make such a key contribution to the side as he has done in recent months. He played Sorry, recent recent seasons. He played nine on uh, Saturday against Southampton. Um, and I wondered, I said to, I think both of you at the beginning of the season, whether or not in the absence of signing Harry Kane, he, he may end up playing there because he has got the ability to score a lot of goals. And if you go back a couple of seasons ago, he was getting 37 in an entire season. I mean, you know, he can put the ball in the, the back of the net, even if he's not a natural finisher in, in, in that in that, in that that mode. Uh, he's certainly an option for, for Manchester City. And I hope it comes good because, you know, luckily enough to, I'm lucky enough to see him on England duty and he's absolutely terrific. He is almost unplayable at times um, but they do have an issue in terms of what is their first 11 and I mentioned that and it is a big week for them Chelsea I mean obviously have got the reputation of having a ruthless finisher now and not conceding any goals but the truth is a little bit more nuanced than that isn't it because actually at the back they've looked a little bit risky at times and they have conceded quite a few chances their performances haven't been as good as their results so far this season Alex uh, possibly not, although I think uh, I would point to that nil-nil draw at Anfield as a, as a masterclass from Thomas Tuchel. So I would expect something similar this weekend. He, he will have a game plan. I think Chelsea are a team who rise to the biggest of occasions. Um, we've seen that certainly since Thomas Tuchel came in 
into the club. So I, I'm not concerned. If I was a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't be concerned by their early season form at all. I think as a supporter, maybe you always look at it a bit more negatively and, and, and you look for any flaws in their game. But I think they're in pretty fine fettle at this moment in time, I have to say. How many, how many minutes has Pep Guardiola had to prepare for this game? <laughs> <laughs> Just checking my watch. And as he put the B team in because, League One next season. Because we've yeah. been talking about it for 10 minutes, so we could just give him this if it helps. Because <laughs> I know that he's, he's strapped for time, even he though his just... team played 24 hours before Chelsea in midweek. <laughs> uh, can I just say very quickly, last week Tuchel did say that he felt that his side weren't even playing at their best. I remember writing about it being quite surprised, but um, he was saying, however well they've done, he still feels there's much, much more to come from his side, which was quite a warning to the rest of the Premier League, given how well they've done so far. Manchester United take on Aston Villa at the same time. It's live on Talk Sport 2. United and Villa out of the Carabao Cup. Uh, Say what you want about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, but some of those players, Martial, Van der Beek, Eric emergency buy uh, not good enough for Manchester United. It's as simple as that. No. Um, and it shows actually that as much as uh, recent recruitment, I think has been pretty good. Although Van der Beek, although Van der Beek would have to be an exception to that over the years, since Sir Alex Ferguson retired, there've been a lot of panic signings, none more so that the Martial. I mean, it seems a long time ago now, but I remember watching that deadline day drama unfold. Didn't know much about Anthony Martial as a player before they committed to paying all that money. Wish I didn't know much about Martial as a player now, to be honest, because he's been here for six years, seven years, perhaps. He's made no impression at all at Old Trafford. Uh, I was listening to Jonathan Woodgate, actually, on the sports bar, driving back from Brighton, and he was saying that Martial just doesn't ever play with a smile on his face, just doesn't ever look like he's particularly happy being a Manchester United player. I just don't think he's good enough to be a Manchester United player. And I, I think now they're out of that competition his game time will be few and far between. His touch wasn't good enough in that game on Wednesday night. His movement wasn't good enough. He didn't seem to operate in the position in which he had been deployed. He, he Wandering out to the left-hand flank where he obviously wants to play. But when you're billed as a central striker and you've been asked to do that job, you've got to at least try to do it. I mean, he, he hardly ever got into the West Ham United box. But it's not just him, is it? I mean, I, I was watching Eric Bailly. I've got to be honest. I mean... He seems to play as if everything is, is, is an emergency around him. Everything, like even the most simple of passes. He just seems to be constantly stretching, reaching at the end of his sort of uh, hyper arousal. It's just, it's a very strange way of operating. And Donny van der Beek, who, you know, by all intents and purposes, worked really hard in the summer, really hard, and still, can't, still can't get in the He's team because technically it just doesn't, he can't get up to speed with the rigours of the Premier League. There's a question. If Van der Beek's not good enough, is that a failing of Van der Beek or the United Scouting Department? Um, you can't get everyone right, though, can you? I mean, even Sir Alex Ferguson got a couple wrong. I just think that he was a fine player who was continuing on his learning curve at his club and probably would have had another important season of learning had he stayed at Ajax. And if anything, his experience is a warning to other players at the club or in Dutch football that just because a Premier League club comes in for you, you shouldn't immediately jump at the chance. You should continue your learning curve. That might be the key thing, the Dutch football, because if you look at the recent exports from that particular league, David Klaas, and struggled immediately that he went to Everton. He's obviously a very good footballer in that league. Sebastian Allaire struggled uh, when he came through to West Ham, uh, West Ham but he's you know flown in Dutch football. Even Hakim Ziyech has taken a little while to get 
up and running for Chelsea's. It hasn't particularly clicked for him yet, although he's scored a couple of key important goals. But defensively, I think they have got a bit of a problem. And, and, and although it was the, the, the B team on Wednesday night, just going back through some of the Premier League games, you look at Manchester United's record between the end of last season and the beginning of this, they've kept two clean sheets in 17 matches. That is not the hallmark of champions. Scoring goals was never United's problem. You know, all this, and clearly the, the, the circus around Ronaldo for newspaper men like me is great copy and it will continue to be throughout the season. But scoring goals was never United's problem. Second highest goal scorers in the Premier League last season. It has always been defensively. They don't have the protection. They don't have the organisation. They don't have the concentration at the back. And that's why they continues to be the concern that for all the firepower they've got, they could still fall short this season. And, and it's this habit that they've been in really since the start of last season, maybe even going back to the season before that, of conceding the first goal and giving themselves a mountain to climb, having to fight back uh, to take the points. More often than not, they've managed it. But that's not the hallmark of champions. The hallmark of champions is being tight defensively, making yourselves difficult to play against, imposing yourselves on the opposition and not frantically having to chase the game. So I think it is a concern. And I think it's a concern against this Aston Villa side. They've obviously started the season poorly with that defeat against Watford. I've been really impressed with them since then. Even in defeat against Chelsea, they created chances. Could have been um, very much in the game had they been more clinical. They've got players like Ings and Watkins, Buendia and Bailey I think will probably be injured but they've got players who can hurt this Manchester United side I think it'll be a great game for listeners on, on TalkSport too but again I think it could be a, a difficult afternoon for Manchester United and one where they need Ronaldo to come to their rescue again uh, There's going to be a real interesting matchup on the Manchester United left the Aston Villa right Matty Cash against Luke Shaw um, because Shaw obviously loves to get forward and he's a big part of Manchester United's attacking thrust down that side. But the same's got to be said for Matty Cash, who was absolutely terrific in the game against uh, Aston Villa. He gets lots of crosses into the box. He gets lots of ball high up the pitch. He tries to create chances. He doesn't score too many goals, but he obviously did last weekend. They were good value for their victory over Everton. And you mentioned a couple of their good players, and I've mentioned Cash, but Jacob Ramsey... Young, 20-year-old midfielder, absolutely sensational against Chelsea and against Everton. Really good, forward-thinking, commanding midfield player with high degree of intelligence and super fitness. He gets up and down the pitch. He's a, he's a really good footballer and he's going to be a, a bit of a star, I think. Yeah, I know there were some big clubs actually keeping an eye on him during the, the last transfer window. So I think uh, Villa might want to get him tied down to a long-term contract pretty soon. But what I like about Villa is they've got a cohesive plan. You know, we all knew that Jack Grealish was was going to be sold. They were pretty cool and collected about that situation. They knew they couldn't stop it because of the release clause. They planned how they were going to invest the money. They planned how they were going to bring in youngsters like Ramsey. I think they are a club very much going in the right direction. Do you think that something it should be said, Darren, of Dean Smith being rather brave with his coaching staff? Because after John Terry left in the summer... He lost a long-time assistant. He decided to move on some of the other backroom staff and recruit a whole sort of batch of new voices for the dressing room, including this rather inventive set-piece coach, Austin McPhee, who looks a bit like a Viking, uh, but uh, clearly conquers all he surveys. <laughs> Uh, well, the, uh, the simple answer is yes, because, I mean, uh, Villa have not wanted to stand still. They've wanted to evolve. They've been very... Uh, 
methodical in their thinking in so much as they realised as Christian Perslow was telling us that there was an over-reliance on one player and it couldn't be the case that that could happen again. And they've wanted fresh voices in the dressing room so that they, I mean, listen, it's a combination of two things because clearly John Terry wants to go out and manage in his own right. But at the same time, it was an opportunity to bring people in who could give them a fresh ideas, be a little bit more of a marginal gain at set pieces uh, and, and see the opportunity to, to keep moving forward rather than just celebrating being a part of the Premier League party. I think he's done good things. I think there'll be a mid-season period where they go on a really sustained run of winning. I think at the moment they're just finding their feet in the Premier League and they'll take the defeats in the cup competitions because I think in, in the Premier League where they really want to consolidate, I think they'll do good things. And they do have uh, quite a tough run of fixtures. They're in the middle of a tough run of fixtures. They've played Chelsea twice already away from home. They play Manchester United. United as well now after already beating Everton. That's another 12.30. It's live on game day on TalkSport 2. We've got a double header this weekend and we cannot wait. Everton missed the chance to go joint top and lose for only the fourth time in the last 15 games in the Premier League. It's not easy for a new team with a new manager. It's very difficult to manage everything and to have a team capable to react in the way that you want to react every game. Oh, what a goal! Adelaide Torre fires home a magnificent goal! There's no chance of that team finishing in the top six. I know they've had a good start, but can be a bit misleading. Blues at full time, Norwich stay bottom still without a point. They were beaten by a far more streetwise and slick side in Watford. If you want to stay in the league, yeah, of course you want to win such home games anyhow. So at the moment we are three points behind our plan. What is the point? It's ridiculous. And the manager, they, they come up, they go down, he stays, they get beat every week, they get knocked out of the Carabao Cup. It's embarrassing. The second half of game day starts at Goodison Park. Everton against Norwich. And uh, Everton, robbed of the services last week of key personnel, were undone defensively at Villa Park. Uh, But Norwich aren't a team that should really cause them too much trouble. However, Everton have conceded seven goals in their opening five Premier League matches. I think that's about sort of middling, really, isn't it? But that could show Norwich the way to their first points of the season, Crook. (laughs) I think that would probably highly unlikely. Uh, again, based even on what we saw in midweek, they're absolutely dreadful again against uh, Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. And it, it saddens me to say it somewhat, Norwich fans, but I think they're into that culture again as they were in their last season in the Premier League where they're willing to accept defeat. And you've mentioned it before, Sam. There doesn't seem uh, to be enough jeopardy there, enough um, inquests carried out when they do drop points, when they do lose games, and already five or six games into the season, if you include the cup games, that they just look like a team resigned to their fate, devoid of confidence, devoid of defensive ability, devoid of anyone who's going to score goals on a regular basis. You can only see it being another long, hard season for Norwich. And, and some of their fans are beginning to get a bit agitated. Yeah, but uh, are we maybe going a little bit early here, Darren, on the basis that they've played Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal and Leicester already? Um, 
To be fair, I do have to agree with Crook on the basis that they do look devoid of confidence. Um, they're only the fourth side to lose their opening five Premier League games. But when I saw them in action in the Carabao Cup against Liverpool, they had chances in front of goal that they just didn't have the confidence to take. And that word from Crook was key. Confidence. When you do lose those games, and they've been very unfortunate as you say, to come up against a side with superior cutting edge, it does start to drain away at your confidence. And even the easy chances you can't take, I can't see anything other than an Everton win because I think Norwich, they were better at another level, a lower level. I think the Premier League for them is a step too far. Well, we've discussed them at uh, detail on this podcast and beyond on TalkSport, so we won't go into it too much. But there are uh, serious problems in terms of, uh, uh, I mean, the run of results is quite embarrassing, really. The 15 L's next to their name in a row. The first time that's ever happened in Premier League football under one manager. Uh, Everton, uh, I mentioned without key personnel last weekend. Dominic Calvert-Lewin still injured. Richarlison out. Um, Where are the goals going to come from? They've sold James Rodriguez to uh, Middle Eastern football. Obviously, I mean, mean, that is just the strangest turn of events ever, isn't it? I mean, one that he turned up at Everton, two that he just decided to sit on his computer and play Twitch and not know when they were playing over the course of the summer and then end up in the Emirates. And well, I mean, his career is almost over, isn't it? It was a disastrous signing. Um, and I, actually, I remember we did a, a package on Game Day on TalkSport probably about September of last year. Adrian Durham waxing lyrical about James Rodriguez being back to the James that took the World Cup by storm all those years ago, but it didn't last very long. And I think it really it's a signing that's emblematic of Everton's failures, not just when it comes to players, but managers as well, chasing the Hollywood signings. I think they're more humble this season under Rafa Benitez, and I think ultimately that will bring them more success. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute nightmare, James Rodriguez, and I think um, they'll probably be quite pleased to see the back of him. But you mentioned the absentees. That is a problem. Probably will still have enough in reserve against Norwich. I slightly disagree with you, Crook. In some, I don't think Rodriguez is an absolute nightmare right at the start. Start. It was a good signing, but it was a signing for Ancelotti um, because he he played for Ancelotti um, and he was a guy who, who Ancelotti was able to give confidence to. Once he left, that was it for him. Um, and, and Benitez knew that and he got rid. But the positive note, they've got his wages off the wage bill. And I think Benitez will be given the time to dismantle the side and get the underachievers out of Everton. Uh, You're right about the failures of management and recruitment, but I think Benitez will be able to sort that out. And I think there'll be a new Everton by this this time next season. But I think he's got to get them all out, go back to basics. I still worry defensively because that's what killed them last season, particularly at home. And that is what he's going to have to work on. And I think we'll even start to see a little bit of a more boring Everton in the short term as he starts to get them to get a, a bit more of a solid defensive base. It might have to be that, actually, if um, the injury list is confirmed. Richarlison, Jordan Pickford, Seamus Coleman, um, Luca Dina, Andre Gomez, Dominic Calver-Lewin. Um, two to three weeks for him. That's a real worry, isn't it? So we'll follow that with interest. Because I'm not worried about Calvert-Lewin. I mean, Rondon can play there. He, he hasn't uh, he, he hasn't been in the Premier League for a long time, but he'll get if with a run of games, 
you'll start to see where that that money's gone. So I don't think that's a really astute signing precisely for that reason. And and Begovic as well is a capable pair of hands uh, rather than Robin Nelson with Pickford not available. Um, I think they've got Ben Godfrey who can play centre-half or right-back as well. So I think there are players there that can come in. Um, And I think if anybody can keep their foot on the ball and not panic in a situation like this is Rafa. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think he'll do, end up doing very well there. We said that from the, the very beginning. I think the Godfrey playing at right back though is not ideal because no, la- no, last no. week that was a bit of an issue for them. Brentford against Liverpool is our 5.30 on game day. Great start from Brentford really when you look at it as a whole. Um, but this is the ultimate test, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. This is their most difficult game of the season so far. I spoke to Shandon Baptiste in the week, who unfortunately for him can't play, having been sent off for those two yellow cards in the last game. But I was impressed with him, and I think he embodies Brentford as a club. Um, I'll use that word humble again. I think they've shown a lot of humility since coming into the Premier League. And he said we treat every every opponent with the same level of respect. So they certainly won't be intimidated by playing Liverpool, but I think they will be acutely aware this is a step up in quality but you you mentioned about accessibility and and about um, young supporters Duncan Wright from The Sun um, Darren's newspaper colleague tweeted some of the prices um, at Brentford uh, for their Carabao Cup game not in terms of tickets but in terms of food you can get a pint for £3.50 I know that's not great for the kids but you can get a a nice meal as he put it for £5 in in modern terms, in, in the Premier League, that is really cheap. And again, they're, they're not a club who rip off their fans. They're a community-based club. Um, so I think this is going to be another fantastic occasion. And, and I think Liverpool will be walking into quite an intimidating atmosphere and will have to be at their best. I think they'll win, but I think Brentford will give them one or two scares. Uh, Brentford excellent away from home at Wolves last week. Tony and Mbermo combining really well. Can they trouble Liverpool's backline, which will be slightly different to the Liverpool backline that we saw last Saturday, I think, Darren? In a word, no. Um, I want to be nice about them and uh, and they deserve credit because they've only lost one of their five Premier League games so far this season. They've defied a lot of the people who suggested it might be a bridge too far for them. Two wins and two draws. Really disciplined as well in beating uh, Wolves and Arsenal and getting that point away to Palace in particular. Um but I think that they're up against the Liverpool side, I think will win the title. They're defensively strong, only conceded one goal so far this season. That was against Chelsea. And uh, I think that if anyone can find a way past Brentford's back line, it's the Liverpool front line. So I don't think they'll win, but I do think that they'll continue on a really good upward curve. They demolished Oldham in midweek to show that at that level, they are ruthless. Um, but I don't think they've got the weaponry to beat Liverpool. I should just say, Sam, as part of game day, uh, we put together a package on Brentford's unique recruitment. And again, I have to say the club have been massively helpful on that. They were offering up players. They offered up their sporting director. Uh, and he's and a really interesting piece. And I asked uh, Rasmus Ankerson the question, because obviously they're a selling club. What happens if somebody bids £50 million for Ivan Tony next summer? And he said, we're not afraid to sell anybody. But I, I think every club outside of the top four is a selling club. Every club. If someone none. offers Brentford Football Club £50 million for one of their players, they are definitely going to sell them. 100%. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, the, the, I, I, I was there in 2009 when they were getting promoted uh, from League Two to, to League One. I mean, it's... 
you know, this is a club that's come very far in a very short period of time. And Tony in particular has. Christian Norgard was saying this week that someone in the dressing room had actually compared Ivan Tony to Didier Drogba. Um, 44 league goals scored or assisted mm-hmm. since arrival. Uh, and that's just over a year, just over a year. Seven more than anyone else in England's top four divisions. The statistics are outrageous. Mm. You're not sure? Nah, 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 nah. You don't think he's got the potential to be one of the Premier League's greats? Not in a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he probably goes to sleep and dreams of being like Didier Drogba, but I think he's got about a thousand goals that he needs to be scoring and some top level performances that he's got to... <laughs> no. No, it, Christian Norgard, Darren Lewis says you've been told. Uh, oh, well, you know, good, good on him for bigging up his teammate, but he's Tony's doing very, very well, having made the step up. Didier Drogba, nah. Um, Brentford have considered only two goals in five Premier League matches. Can they keep out Salah, Mane, Jota, and Cole uh, and Co? Not Cole. He doesn't play for them. Um, certainly, I think what uh, Liverpool will learn over the course of the weekend is that Brentford aren't just a bus stop in Hounslow. Not anymore, anyway. Right, let's get to North London. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. After two absolute batterings, Tottenham Hotspur threw away a two-goal lead in the midweek game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. They eventually got through that on penalties. Now they have to go to Arsenal, who are building slowly but surely a little bit of confidence although their victories are against Norwich and Burnley um, it, it's not great when a North London derby is basically who is at their least lowest point but I suppose we're thinking Arsenal here Darren yeah uh, no actually I think we're thinking Spurs All right, okay. we're at a low point uh, but they're building in confidence I, I, I worry for Spurs. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought I, I was asking the question who you thought would win. I, I was going to say... Who win? Yes. I think we're both Arsenal, aren't we, in terms of the weekend? What do you reckon? Mm, you're, you're perplexed about this. You're not entirely sure. You're not ready to commit, are you? I think they're really... But they're both bad defensively. Okay, I'll tell I, you what then. I'll, I'll predict this. I think it will be the first nil-nil draw between Arsenal and Tottenham in 12 years. Actually, I think it will be a draw, but I don't think it'll be a nil-nil. I think because they're both bad defensively, I think one of them will make a mistake, at least one mistake leading to a goal. 
Um, and I think it'll be 1-1. Um, I think they're both at a low ebb. I think they've both fallen way below the standards that they set for themselves. I think that they're both devoid of confidence. Harry Kane, for me, shouldn't. It is a big call, but he should never have been anywhere near that uh, Carabao Cup fixture in midweek. Uh, the argument, the counter argument, might be that he needs minutes. But you know, when people turn around and say, "Oh, he's always injured every season." These are the reasons why he's a high caliber striker that should be playing in the top matches like the one at the weekend and let some of the younger players play in the League Cup. But, you know, that kind of sums up why he wants to go, because without his genius in front of goals, Spurs are just so lost. I disagree with Darren there um, for two reasons. I think it was important for, for Harry Kane's confidence, and we've used the, that word a lot today to get himself on the score sheet, which he managed in the Cup in midweek. I think it was an important game for Nuno as well because the pressure was already beginning to build on him after their recent run of form. And Tottenham aren't a team who can write off the, the League Cup because, frankly, they've, they've got no chance of winning anything else this season. And I disagree with your predictions as well. I think Arsenal will win the game. I think Arsenal are better um, defensively than Spurs. I've waxed lyrical on this pod about Aaron Ramsdale. I think he will prove himself as a big game player. I like Tommy Yasu, and I can see why several Premier League sides mm-hmm. were looking at him. I think given the disastrous start they made, there are signs for Arsenal the green shoots recovery. And for me, they look a little further ahead in their development than Tottenham at this moment in time. Why does Harry Kane need a goal for his confidence? He scored in in, in the Europa Conference League. He knows where the goal is. There's nothing wrong with Harry Kane's confidence. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, because he's been ineffective in the Premier League so far. Isn't that because he keeps wandering into right back? Yeah. I think he needed a goal. I think it was a sensible decision. I think if you speak to um, strikers when they're not scoring in the league and they get an opportunity in a cup game in midweek to get themselves on the score sheet, I think nine out of ten of them would want to take that opportunity. I think no. Ronaldo would have wanted to play for Manchester United against West Ham. Is, no, is, is, and is and it would have been the wrong decision. It, it would have been the wrong decision. They, sorry, Sam, I know you want to come back in, but I, you know, I just think I feel so strongly about this because Kane is playing in competitions he shouldn't be playing in. He doesn't need to play. He's got nothing to proved by scoring goals in the League Cup. Are you saying he's too big time to play in the League Cup? No, I'm saying it's a measure of the lack of depth at Spurs that Kane is playing in the League Cup, quite frankly. Or is it a measure of their ambitions? Because listen, they're going nowhere in the Premier League. This is a cup competition. They're one game away now from the quarterfinals. They made the final last season. Kane wants to win silverware. Daniel Levy wants to win silverware. They have to take this cup competition seriously, do they not? No, I disagree with you on that. I mean, Kane wanted to go to Man City because they are competing in Champions Leagues and at the business end of the Premier League. Why are they doing that? Because they have depth in their side. But right now, Harry Kane will take anything. And if he gets a League Cup, he'll be absolutely delighted because at the moment, the prognosis is he's not going to get anything. If he won a a Tombola, uh, the North London Summer Fair, he would be delighted. It's a very simplistic way of looking at it. I think ironic that he may well have scored in, in, in the game in midweek, but the fact is that him playing highlights the lack of depth and the lack of ability to cope when Tottenham's leading lights are out in comparison to Liverpool, to Chelsea and to, to other clubs in the Premier League who do have that quality. And so Spurs certainly don't have that quality. And what is the prize for the North London Summer Fair Tombola, by the way? Do we know? It's a five-year contract at Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's get to Monday night's game and a little bit of Lucy action. (laughs) 
Are we are we actually recording at the moment? I have I've got the record button on. Would you like me to stop okay. it? Okay. Right, I, I am quiz ready as well. When oh, good. Right, let's go. It's all right, Lucy. I've got a tea time in an hour. Come on. Here we go. All right, let me let me. Steady it on. <laughs> it's so rude, isn't it? Honestly, just... I think you, I think something tells me, Crook, that you've lost this competition already. Something tells me, Crook, that um, you need to assess the way you speak to, to, to other I people. Think so. <laughs> I think so. Right, Lucy. What's uh, happening with the quiz this week? So this week we're going to take a look at Palace against Brighton. Big M23 Derby, Monday night, 8 o'clock. Oh, you've got to get a... Should, should we have a, like a Bruce Forsyth? Ooh. Come on, Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say it again, Lucy? We've got Palace against Brighton. We could do an alternative, actually. Lucy, say again, one more time. We've got Palace against Brighton. That, that is brutal on the team currently sitting in fourth place in the Premier League. Only joking. Lucy, right, OK, let's do it. OK, so, Darren, I'm going to start with you. So the rivalry between these two clubs sparked back in the 70s when former teammates and arch rivals were in charge of Brighton and Palace, respectively. But who were they? I know this. Talk about a tapping. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I'll tell you. Okay, I'm going to have to say I don't know. It was uh, Terry Venables and Alan Mullery. Alan Mullery. Uh, <laughs> Sam got in there before you, Crockett. Yeah, you because he muted me. So he muted me. <laughs> I didn't. Well done, Sam. That's unbelievable. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to go to you now, Sam. Ah, great. When did Brighton play in their first FA Cup final? 1983. Correct. And a bonus point if you can tell me who it was against. Manchester United. And because I don't like Crook, <laughs> another bonus point if you can tell me the score. Uh, it went to a replay. Yep. Um, and then Manchester United won, I think, 1-0, didn't they? Nah, incorrect. Oh. Does anyone else know? 2 1. Nope. 2 0. Nope. Mm. It was a 2 2, and then in the replay four days later, it was a 4 0 victory. Oh, yes, it was, yeah. I only Crook. got about three points there, didn't I? Crook, how many games did Palace win in the Premier League during the previous campaign? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That is outrageous compared to the other questions. <laughs> we were going back into the 80s, into our mind palaces. You've only got to go back to last year. How many games did they win last season? <laughs> Eight. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Eleven. A little bit more, Darren. I would say... So you said 11. She said a little bit more, so I'm going to guess it's... More than 11. 12. Correct, Darren. Yes. We're going back it's to your maths there, Darren. Oh, wow. Great maths. <laughs> Crikey. Hope you're not homeschooling. <laughs> I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> Southampton against Wolves is two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Wolves have had 82 attempts this season. And scored two goals in the Premier League. Only Liverpool and Manchester City, Darren, have had more attempts on goal. Um, they are the Premier League's most wasteful team. It's official. Even Arsenal and Norwich have scored two goals. 
this season. So um, how are they going to improve on that? Yeah, it's a fascinating game because it's uh, it's the most wasteful team against a draw specialist. Five draws from six matches, uh, sorry, seven matches so far this season for Southampton. Um, but Wolves, I think they're what they they're going to unload on someone at some point um, because they've been knocking on the door for so long. And I think it may well have been extra uh, training on finishing, focusing on finishing uh, for Bruno Lagerstein, precisely for the reasons that you just mentioned. I think they'll be okay. I did worry for them early on, uh, but I think they're going to find their feet and they'll be okay. Maybe stabilise in mid-table. Same for Southampton, because that point last weekend at Manchester City, that was a well-earned point. I'm not really bothered about the League Cup for Southampton, but against City, they it was all hands to the pump and they did so, so well. And that suggested to me that maybe confidence and morale isn't as low as first thought, given that they had big players leave in the summer. Um, obviously, this is the first of the big games on Sunday where everybody puts the television on, sits around having their roast whilst they're watching it. And bearing in mind that these sides have scored just six goals between them in 10 games combined this season, make sure you have a glass of wine with your meal, I would suggest. <laughs> <laughs> so facetious. Those bare stats don't really tell the full story because Darren's right. Wolves have been very wasteful. You're a big... XG fan, Sam, and I think the stats will back that up. Southampton have created chances and not taken them as well. So I don't think the, that the problem is the creativity. The problem has been the finishing. And there's a really interesting strand to this story. Raul Jimenez, who I shoehorned into my fantasy team last week, because like Darren, I expect Wolves to unload on somebody sometime soon. I thought it might well be Brentford. He missed that header, didn't he, in the second half and then ripped off the protective headband. I think we all assumed in frustration, but the manager came out after and said, actually, it was in his eyes. It was obscuring his vision so does he now defy medical advice and get rid of the headband for this game it's going to be interesting to see whether that's the case or not that leaves me a little bit uncomfortable I can't imagine what his family and friends will be saying to him and even the medical staff at Wolverhampton Wanderers because I'm sure there'll be an insurance issue there Darren yeah I totally agree it doesn't you know points are not important than his health and as you rightly say, his friends and family will be concerned, but there will also be, um, a, 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 I want to say legal issues. Yeah, there will be around that. And I think the club will take quite a close look. But also there will be scrutiny from the outside if the club are willing to allow him to do that. I think, you know, people in my profession, it's our job to highlight the fact that maybe there might well be risks attached to any decision not to wear the head the, the, the headwear that is there to protect him uh, because there are wider issues at play and it we're not doing our jobs if we don't highlight that fact. Leeds against West Ham is a three o'clock Saturday game. Uh, look, I mean, this is box office. If Southampton against Wolverhampton Wanderers is going to end up being nil-nil, this could be five each, couldn't it? I mean, this is an absolute cracker. I think they've scored 17 goals, or there's been 17 goals in Leeds games so far this season. I mean, they're terrific value entertainment-wise, even if they haven't been particularly uh, assertive on the field of play. Well, they've been assertive, but they haven't come away with too much so far. And West Ham rested 10 players in midweek, and there's a certain Mikel Antonio back this weekend. I'm going to make a prediction. I don't think Leeds will score past West Ham. I This West Ham, I am so impressed. But you know, for the last couple of seasons, I, I love the work that David Moyes has been doing with West Ham. 
the fact that he went to Old Trafford and won, having rested 10 players, honestly, they'll be fresh at the weekend. They'll be ready to defend for their lives. They've had four, uh, three clean sheets in their last four matches and they're starting to build a real defensive base to build on. I don't think Leeds will score past them and I think they'll win. I don't know about that um, because I think West Ham are still a team who, who concede goals. I think Kurt Zuma was excellent against Manchester United. I think he'll be a good addition. I told you they kept clean sheets in three of their last four games, including a trip to Croatia to play Dinamo Zagreb, who are top of their league. Yeah, they were terrible, Dinamo Zagreb. On no, the they weren't. They were. They were absolutely appalling. I commentated the game. They were dreadful. Um, wait, so I think, but wait, so I've given you the stat that they've conceded, and you're saying they are still a team that concedes goals. The stats don't bear that out. Well, two of those games. One, one was against Dinamo Zagreb. We were dreadful. You're including Manchester United reserves in midweek. I think if you go back to the end of last season, start of this in the Premier League, they have been a team who concede goals on occasion. That's they still season, they still win games. But this is in the last four matches. You, we can only go on their runoff form now. And in their last four matches, they've conceded one goal. And that was to the A team of Manchester United. So, sorry, two goals, forgive me. Two goals to the A team of Manchester United. So I'm not buying that they are still a side who concede goals in general terms because they have been more disciplined in their last four matches. Last season is gone. It's history. You can't talk about that, surely. I think they'll win without keeping a clean sheet is my prediction. So we'll revisit this um, this time next week. But like you, I'm impressed with the work that David Moyes has done. The fact they can make 10 changes and still come out on top of Old Trafford in front of 70-odd thousand fans shows that the strength and depth in the squad now. Antonio will be raring to go. I think he'll be frustrated with himself for that red card and having to sit out a game. And it's been a difficult start to the season uh, for Leeds. They're not scoring um, as many goals as they were last season. And again, we we know all about their defensive problems. So th- this could be another good victory for West Ham. And actually, there was a question again on the sports bar in midweek. A, a Spurs fan, or sorry, a West Ham fan rang up and told Jamie O'Hara that West Ham will finish above Tottenham. I don't think that's the most outlandish prediction in the world at this moment in time. No. Okay. West Ham United have kept just three clean sheets in their last 17 games since early March. This is the time for lovemaking. That was in the last four games, those clean sheets, which says that... If the last four games against Norwich, Wolves, Southampton and Dinamo Zagreb, then yeah, fair enough. But over the course of a period, the point is you can't you can't base your entire assessment on a team over four games. Of the body of work, they do concede more, more goals than that. Can. What happened in the preceding 13 games is immaterial if in the last four games they are running into a good vein of defensive form. Okay, let's I see what happens. clean sheet against Anthony Martial. <laughs> Uh, Crook, do you think that if we um, subbed in a different presenter at the very last minute, he'd be able to do the business a little bit like uh, Mark Noble was unable to the other day? Well, if you if, if you got a sub presenter in, would you say to him, come and present the programme? And then he started, you know, answering questions, not doing the role that he was employed to do. That would be quite frustrating, wouldn't it? You know, <laughs> as Anthony Martial proved. The other day. Uh, Watford against Newcastle. How much of a difference has Moussa Sissoko made since his £3 million move uh, from Tottenham Hotspur? I think he's a brilliant acquisition for him because he's got Premier League experience. He does a lot of work that allows the others to play. It just quietly goes about his business. 
Yeah. Fabulous signing. And, and actually, when you look at Tottenham's problems in midfield, maybe you're left scratching your head a little bit and saying, why did they let him go particularly so cheaply? So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, again, we mentioned it on the podcast at the weekend. I feel really sorry for Steve Bruce. It feels like Newcastle fans are almost waiting uh, for him to foul. But this is a big game uh, for Newcastle. They've had some some tough fixtures so far. This is one they will be targeting for three points. And if they don't get them, then there will be absolute uproar in the northeast. Uh, Leicester City take on Burnley at three o'clock. Darren, um, look, Burnley's last six games or this this season, if we could go on this season, six, six games, is that enough to assess them? Uh, have produced only three first-half goals. So it might be quite tight until the break. Yeah, absolutely. I think confidence is everything, the word that uh, Crook used earlier. And I think that win over Millwall in the League Cup uh, might be key. Lookman and Ian Acho, if I'm not mistaken, scoring the goals. And I think they just needed that boost of confidence to remind them of what, what they're capable of. I think uh, Leicester could win this. Burnley struggling to get on the board in terms of wins so far this season. So I, I think Leicester have got the quality, particularly at home, to win this. I think it probably will be tight up until half time, but the second half, I, I think they will be the ones to find a way to edge past this and get back in a winning uh, frame of mind. Listen, we've spoken a lot about Burnley. I think we all expect them to be right in the relegation shake-up until the end of the season. I think it was a brave decision for Sean Dyche to commit himself to a long-term contract because there's still a lack of investment from boardroom level. That word confidence again, they will take some confidence from the fact they managed to score four goals in midweek, albeit against Rochdale. Again, you have to favour Leicester. I don't think Leicester have been at their swaggering best in the Premier League so far this season, but they're slowly getting players back from injury. They're slowly working out what their best eleven is. So, yeah, I, I would go with Darren. I think this will be a Foxes victory. OK, that's it from us. Um, thank you very much for, for downloading and listening to the pod. We've got game day on Saturday. Four live games, two at 12.30. I'll be at Chelsea versus Manchester City. Crook will be at Manchester United versus Aston Villa. It's Everton. Norwich on TalkSport 2 at 3 o'clock. And then at 5.30, it is Brentford against Liverpool. We'll keep you updated across TalkSport's network with all the other goals as they go in throughout the course of the weekend. Whatever you do, tell all of your mates about the game day podcast and get them to download it because I mean you know, I know it's only a small sample but Darren me Crookie and Lucy how many is that four four we all think it's brilliant so 100% of people think it is an absolutely brilliant podcast so please download it The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.